Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. And you've been listening to some music from Last Call at Tobacco Road. If you don't know and you're interested, Tobacco Road sadly closed this past Saturday night. They, she closed her doors for the last time after 102 years. That's 102 years serving the public at Miami's first bar, and sadly, she's gone. But what we have left is recordings like that. So I hope you got your fill, because last call is over. Now, we're going to take another call, because we actually got a call on this issue. And if you want to call in, it's 305-541-2350. Caller, you are on the air. Name and city. Hi, Mark in Miami. How you doing, Judge Young? I have a quick question. Hey, Mark. Thanks for calling, Mark. The justification by Judge Butchko that the information is proprietary and can't be released doesn't seem to ring true. What's the idea? When will it be constructed? What will happen with all the files and all the cases in the interim? Where is it going to move? Is there any information that you can uh, that you can divulge? Thank you. That was a hit and run. <laughs> That's a lot of questions, but just get a couple of them. Mark, I, I, I'm not part of that inner circle, so I, I really can't. Um, answer all those questions. But what I can say is, yes, the files will be moved. There was some misconception that the court has something to do with electronic and electronic filing. That really has to do with the clerk's office. And Harvey Rubin has done an incredible job trying to bring the clerk's office into the 21st century from the 18th century. So I think you'll see more more electronic filings and more electronic and DVDs and all that other fun stuff that we have. Um, as far as the other, the, your other question, I just don't know the answer to it. But I assume that once there, once this passes, and or if it should pass, there will be a plan and it'll be properly vetted. And if you haven't been down to that courthouse, you see that it's really a disgrace and Miami deserves better. I, I guarantee you this, Mark. If our elected officials in the county or in the city had the air quality issues, had the rats, had the facade falling down, had poles in the middle of their conference rooms, you would see a new courthouse. I'm sure you would see a new city hall built yesterday. But because it's the justice building in the courthouse and it has to do with the courts, there's some pullback. I I just hope that the people see through it and vote for it. Okay. So I I think we've spent about 20 minutes beating the issue up pretty good. Uh, Let's move on to a couple of state amendments. There's Amendment 1 which is the land conservation issue, and Amendment 2, which is the medical marijuana issue. So which, which do you guys want to tackle first, Amendment 1 or Amendment 2? So why don't we start with number 1? Okay, let's start with Florida Constitutional Amendment number 1. It is the conservation issue, and I'm going to read it out real fast, as fast as I can. It is... Water and Land Conservation dedicates funds to acquire and restore Florida conservation and recreation lands. The the amendment would fund the Land Acquisition Trust to acquire, restore, improve, and manage conservation lands, including wetlands and forests, fish and wildlife habitat, lands protecting water resources and drinking water resources, including the Everglades and the water quality of rivers, lakes, and streams, beaches and shores, outdoor recreational lands, working farms and ranches, and historic or geological sites by dedicating 33% of net revenues from the existing excise tax on documents for 20 years. This amendment does not increase or decrease state revenues. The state revenue restricted to the purposes specified in the amendment is estimated to be $648 million in fiscal year 2015 and 16 and grows to $1.268 billion by the 20th year. Whether this results in any additional state expenditures depends upon future legislative actions and cannot be determined. Similarly, the impact on local government revenues, if any, cannot be determined. No additional local government costs are expected. Gentlemen, I would like your opinions on this. First, Mr. Ehrlich. Um, 
I voted yes on this. I think it's very important to the state of Florida that lands be conserved, and it's very important that money be allocated by by this voter referendum question uh, for that to take place so the politicians can't can't um, remove the money and divert it to some other some other purpose. Judge Young. We're to, I, I agree with you, Peter. I voted yes also, and I voted yes because we have to preserve our natural beauty in this in our state. When Rick Scott appoints all these developers and these anti-environmentalists to every single board dealing with the environment and dealing with the ecology of our state, it just makes my skin crawl. Well, doesn't it make you happy that the Department of Environmental Protection only takes two days to approve a permit now? Well, that's what that he was celebrating that, uh, Rick Scott. No, I think no, I think that's scary. Very scary. And I wonder why there's no vetting of that. Wonder <laughs> why? Because they don't give a damn. It's how can I uh, enrich my supporters, my big business developer supporters? That's what's going on here, and that's why this amendment is so important. Oh, okay, let's move on to number two. <laughs> number two. <laughs> I'm going to read the whole thing. Allow, it allows use of medical marijuana for certain medical conditions. Okay. <laughs> the whole thing is red. I, uh, vote, I voted there, yes on there's this. There's more to it. You voted yes to I this. I voted yes. I think people should have the opportunity to have a mar- marijuana prescribed by a, their physician if, if, if the two of them think that, particularly the doctor, think that's appropriate. We're, we're in 2014. The fact that we're even having this debate is silly. Really? Yes. Okay. Especially when studies have come out. All medical studies have come out that says medical marijuana can enhance the quality of an individual's life who is suffering. A cancer patient who doesn't, who can't eat, therefore is getting weak, therefore is going to die, therefore cannot get the benefits of chemotherapy or radiation because they're too weak. Giving them medical marijuana will give them the strength to help fight the disease. And when the anti-group comes up and starts advertising that it's a drug dealer's dream, shame on them. They ought to be taken to the woodshed and smacked the bejesus out of them for being so dishonest. Well, how is this going to impact our court facilities around the state? Think about this. This is a big courthouse issue. Uh, A lot of it is funded by nonviolent marijuana possession uh, cases. There's a lot of these. How is this going to impact the availability of courtroom space in our state? Is this going to be a positive, a negative? I don't think it's going to make much of a difference because we're talking about medical marijuana. We're talking about the person who has cancer, the person that has glaucoma, the person that has uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. We're talking about something that's going to be—actually, the rules and regulations are going to be drafted by the legislature, and that scares the living bejesus out of me, too, But because we know how they feel about mandates. But— I assume that doctors will be prescribing it cautiously and for those who mm-hmm. need it. It's not going to be it's not going to be given for someone who has a headache or an ingrown toenail or an ingrown hair. You're not going to go to a dispensary and say, "Oh, I I, I need a joint." That's not how it's going to work. Although that's how the uh, antagonists of this amendment really are, are portraying it. And I think it's totally intellectually dishonest, just like our governor. Ooh, well, that that sounds like we're we're not getting a full bill of goods. All with, right. So with Sheldon Adelson really, you know, chiming in heavily. And by the way, I'd like to k- <laughs> let the listeners know our, our lines are open 305-541-2350. You can call in with a question, comment, concern, etc. Peter, um what's the next amendment that worth discussing? Well, there's quite a few amendments. There is uh amendment 3. I I don't really even know what to tell you. I'll just read it for you guys and you guys give me your, your thoughts here. It is prospective appointment of certain judicial vacancies, proposing an amendment to the state constitution requiring the governor to prospectively fill vacancies in a judicial office to which election for retention applies, resulting from the justices or judges reaching the mandatory retirement age or failure to qualify for a retention election 
and allowing prospective appointments of a judge or judge uh, justice or judge is not retained at election. Currently, the government governor may not fill an expected vacancy until the current justice or judge's term expires. Judge Young, absolutely no. Read Ooh. my lips. No, 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 no. You know, you have a lame duck governor that doesn't have to answer to the voters and you want to give him or her the authority to appoint judges who will be serving until at least they're 70 years old? Is You know, what this is is a uh, grab by the, uh, state, the Republicans in the state legislature to um, bring their own— their own type into power. We learned something from stacking the Supreme Court with the Roosevelt days. Absolutely not. It will really create an imbalance in the system of justice. And I cannot stress to your listeners enough, vote no. Do whatever you tell your mothers, tell your fathers, tell your cousins, tell your, you know, people you're having an affair with. I don't care. No, no on three. No on three. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Um, Slightly I, emphatic. I, I concur. I concur with Judge Young, of course. That's the way I voted on this item. Okay. Um, number four. Uh, there is no number four. We're on to county <laughs> questions. Charter amendment to Article mm. 7 to allow libraries and parks. Article 7 of the Charter mm. currently provides that parks shall be used for public park purposes only and limits construction of parks to certain permissible facilities. Shall Article 7 of the Charter be amended to, one, permit parks to also be used for library purposes, and two, add libraries constructed within recreational facilities to the list of those permissible facilities at parks? Mm. Gentlemen. Uh, uh, that's a no vote. Really? Yes. Interesting. Uh, uh, Explain. Parks are very, very crucial to us, and the green space within parks and the athletic fields are absolutely crucial. And too often in the past, we've seen elected officials use parks as opportunities to build more buildings, um, have their general contractor friends get construction contracts to build um, you know, massive structures at huge expense. So I, I, I would like to see the you know, libraries remain independent. And, lo- and the parks remain independent and the green space be preserved and respected. So I voted no. Okay. Judge Young, your thoughts? I voted no as well. You know, I said on the planning and zoning board, as both you know, and every time there is a development, I ask the question, where are the parks? Where are the parks? We don't have enough parks. We have little patches of grass that sometimes we say, oh, look, we have a park. That's a lot of malarkey as well. We need places where families can go and enjoy the magnificent weather we have here in Miami. We need places where kids can throw a football, where children can play softball. We, we don't have enough of those. And, and to think that they want to put a library, which, are, uh, which the mayor of Miami-Dade wants to cut their services anyway, um, is just frightening. You know, what, what's going to happen? They build libraries in, the, in a park in uh, unincorporated Dade County. The mayor says, let's cut the library amount of hours the library is going to be open. Are they going to cut the amount of hours the park is going to be open to to comply with the library? There's just too many unanswered questions, and we have to value our green space, so please vote nada, no. All right, next next question. Next question. For you guys, it's about the state house. Um, there's an election between, let's see, Eric Frezen and also uh, Daisy J. Uh, Diaz. Yeah, Diaz. And uh, I think there's a third ba- uh, there's a third candidate actually uh, in that race. His name is, I believe he's in that district. And gosh, it's always tough to find them when you want to. <laughs> uh, independent candidate there's, Ross. There's a couple more voter referendum questions. Oh, there are. There's a youth verify uh, you article. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I want to talk about da- Daisy J. Diaz, Eric Fresen, and I'll get the third candidate's name as well. Do you guys have an opinion on this particular race? I would vote for anybody other than Eric Fresen. <laughs> that's 
that's a really, really specific endorsement. I mean, what, <laughs> and what, I think da- Daisy Bias is the. What, you know, when Eric first ran, I, I was impressed by him. I thought a, a new face to the Republican Party, someone who will bring fresh ideas, and he won in an upset victory. Then he's not in office more than two minutes, and he has ethical complaints filed against him for improper expenditure of campaign funds and other funds as well. And he just you know, started that downward spiral as far as I'm concerned. So he has, as far you know, I believe, he has given up his right to serve the people because of his ethical lapses. And I think Daisy is a bright, energetic um, individual who would do really well in Tallahassee and represent the interest of her community, not, her, not of herself. So I hope people will vote for Daisy in that district. Okay, that's that's an interesting take on it. I've I've heard a lot of negativity about Mr. Fresen, and we had Daisy on the program a couple of weeks ago. She's a very uh, for for a first time candidate, she's extremely polished. But that's because she's a hospital administrator, so she's got to be on point. She started as a nurse. She served in the army, and she's a very very. Her background strong, is impeccable. Yeah, she's not a career politician. Right. Um, and also we have, uh, we're going to have Ross Hancock. He's actually going to call into the show a little bit later. He's an independent and he's also running in the district and we like to bring independent voices. We had another independent that's running for, uh, the Hialeah seat. His name is Nelson Million. Are there any other Florida house elections that you guys are looking at? Uh, Javier Rodriguez. Okay. Against, say uh, Javier Rodriguez. Against, uh, Daniel Leva. And he's running, he's on the East side. Right, he he represents Co- Co- Coconut Grove. Co- Coconut Grove, uh, Shenandoah. Okay, and you can can you provide some color on that uh, election? Sure. Um, we uh, Representative Rodriguez beat Representative Alex Diaz de la Portilla. Okay, it was an incredible upset victory. You have a Harvard-educated lawyer who has managed to work both sides of the aisle to get pieces of legislation passed, and his influence is great. He's not one of those. Ideologues, because he understands being a Democrat in a Republican-controlled House, you have to be able to work with the other side. And his motives are pure. He doesn't come with that smarmy incumbency that a lot of incumbents come with that they think that they're deserving because of who they are. He works hard. I saw him at the polls. I saw him working in the heat, shaking hands and talking to voters. Um, and his opponent is really, he's young, he's slick, he's hes been packaged by the Republic, Republican hierarchy. And although Ileana ross Layton says he's a new type of Republican, when you look at how he stands on the issues today, he's not a new Republican. He's just uh, been repackaged into a young, good-looking individual. And as far as I'm concerned, the one with substance in this race is the incumbent who should be reelected. You guys have any opinion on the race between Frank Artiles and Omar Rivero? It's Florida House District 118. I haven't followed it. No. No, haven't followed it. I'm sure they're both fine individuals, especially the Democrat. (laughs) Well, this is the first year the Democrats have actually fielded a challenger for every single seat. It's the first year since 2008. And the Herald said that could backfire against Charlie Crist, which I think is an, was an interesting perspective yeah, on it. How could that backfire, having a, a Democrat running for every single House seat, state House seat? Well, it could backfire because the Republicans could get mobilized in that district and vote for the Republican and therefore vote for uh, the incumbent governor. The Herald reported that the Republicans have raised $1.7 million for those races that the Democrats recently put candidates in, and the Democrats only raised $80,000. Wow. So, so let's let's big, big Republican turnout. He, that wasn't particular. potentially sure. Well, they, well, again, but it doesn't mean that Rick Scott's going to get those votes because no. hopefully these people have an IQ bigger than their shoe size. Well, you know, you're going to get a lot of Democratic voters as well if there's turnout uh, because there's a registration advantage down here in Miami-Dade. There's more registered Democrats than Republicans. Correct. 
So let's move on to probably the most contentious race. If if not, and I mean, this is like competing with governor's race for probably the most contentious, which is Florida's congressional district 26 between Joe Garcia, who was on the program last week, and Carlos Curbelo. I'd like your guys' opinions and thoughts. Peter, go ahead. Um, this is the district I, representing Westchester I, and the Keys. I've seen them debate each other on TV several times on uh, Channel 2 and Channel 10, and it's uh, very contentious. Uh, no love lost between them, that's for sure. Um, I, 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 I think you know Joe Garcia deserves to get reelected, um, but it, yes, it's a very, very controversial, controversial race. Judge Young, I agree. I, I think that Carbello, again, like Rick Scott, doesn't answer important questions. And when he decided to blame his wife for the lobbying firm and for having the clients that he allegedly had no knowledge of, that's a bunch of malarkey. Again. You know, Joe Garcia. Who is this guy, Malarkey? You keep talking about him. And I, see, if I was on Sirius, I could say something else, but I'm not on Sirius. I'm on terrestrial radio, so I've got to behave myself. Uh, Joe Garcia has done some things, and, and I know Joe and I like Joe, has done some things and associated with some people that I wouldn't associate with. That being said, his actions in Congress has been exemplary. There has been nothing that has connected him with any wrongdoing, because I don't think Joe Garcia is capable of doing wrongdoing. He's just a good, honest guy who may be a little bit naive, but he truly has his district at heart. And I think all of his votes and all of his presentations and his being is to represent that district. And I think he he warrants to get reelected. Now, what do you think of Curbelo's controversial plan to rewrite Social Security to give a 10 or 12 year benefit and then be done? I mean, the Ponzi scheme, as he said in private, that's another thing that drives me crazy. When you say something in private, and it gets recorded, and then you deny that it was ever said or how it was that it was taken out of context. Malarkey. It was not taken out of context. You're, again, walking footsteps right in line with the Republican hierarchy, with what John Boehner wants you to say, and you're going to say. Whether you believe it or not, that's what you're going to say. Again, no integrity by Corbello. He said it to a bunch of people when he didn't think anybody was listening. And when people say things in a group where they don't think anybody is listening who could hurt them, they're going to talk the truth. So Corbello spoke what he thought. It's a Ponzi scheme, and the voters of that congressional circuit have got to understand that, that if they vote for Corbello, Social Security will be vastly changed, if not eliminated. Where if you have Joe Garcia, it's not going to be eliminated, and the scare tactics are just scare tactics, are just scare tactics because— uh, Social Security is alive as well, and it's going to be taking care of us for generations upon generations. Well, let's let's delve into this because there's there's some bigger issues at play, um, which is yeah we've got a few minutes left, which is the Republican control of the House and Senate. And I just want your thoughts. Do you think that the Republicans are going to take control of the Senate? This is just a opinion. I, you know, reading the um, you know the blogs and social media today, it looks like the Republicans are very confident. I'm not sure how how it's going to end up next week. I'm willing to say on your air that the Democrats will retain control of the Senate. Mitch McConnell is going to lose. And really? that's going to be the biggest news on election night is that Mitch McConnell will be a former United States senator. That would be pretty wild. That would make two Republican uh, majority leaders knocked out in this election cycle because Eric Cantor was already uh, accorded lame duck status losing his Republican primary. Who? Eric Cantor. Who? Yes. <laughs> oh, you mean the one that everyone thought was going to win in a walk and ended up losing to a, to a Tea Party member? That one? That guy. Okay. So we've got two minutes left, and I just want to touch briefly on something that's coming up, which is George Shelton. 
uh, he filed lawsuit against Rick Scott, claiming that there's a major discrepancy between Rick Scott's state uh, filings and SEC filings. How do you think that is going to play out? Uh, just just an opinion, and we've got like one minute left. Um, it, you know, Rick, Rick Scott submitted his tax returns, I think, on the very, very last day of the deadline um, for the, you know, the Treasury Department. And it, it didn't allow much time for media or any experts to review them. They're very long and complicated. Okay. Um, I don't think it'll have any impact whatsoever because Shelton doesn't have the money to and the Democrats are not expanding, expounding on it, and I, it's it's too bad, but it's just, you know, second verse, same as the first, a little bit louder and a little bit worse. But unfortunately, people are not going to be able to hear it. Well, we're going to hear it in just a few minutes because George Sheldon is scheduled to call into the program, and that's going to be at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Gentlemen, Judge Young, Peter Ehrlich, thank you so much for joining us during this hour. This is the Only in Miami show, and we'll be right back. <laughs> 